0: a guy who walked into a little corner store with a shotgun and demanded all the cash um, from the cash drawer. So the, the cashier did, did what he said, pulled, pulled the cash out, put it in a bag, and then the robber saw a bottle of scotch sitting up on the shelf behind the cashier, and he wanted he wanted that bottle of scotch. But the cashier said, well, I don't, because this is America, I don't think you're over 21. I don't, I don't believe I can, I can't, I'll get in trouble if I give it to you, is basically what they said. And, and the robber said, um, said he was, but the, the, the cashier said, I, I don't believe you, I don't believe you're over 21, I'm, gonna, I'm refusing to give it to you. And at this point the robber took out his driver's license <laughs> and gave it to the clerk and the clerk looked over and said, agreed, yep, you are over 21. And he put the scotch in a bag and the robber ran away from the store with all the loot. The cashier promptly rang the police, gave the name, the address of the robber uh, that he got off the license, and they arrested the robber two hours later. If all robbers were like that, if all robbers were like that, we we wouldn't have many robbers left because they'd all be in jail because they were not very smart. Um, John 10.10 actually says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Great promise of Jesus, that that second part. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We, I, I can't see any, any one of us disagreeing with going, that's great. I'd love to have more of that in my life. I want to have the abundance of true life happening. But the first part of the verse is just as important. We're going to be looking at, I suppose, hovering around this verse over the next four weeks as we discuss this because the thief comes to steal comes to kill and destroy that's what the thief does and so we live in a way where God says I want to give you all this good stuff and the world in which we live in is saying I want to take those ideas I want to take those promises I want to strip them away from you because I don't want you to have them and so we're we're going to be looking at a bit of that over the coming four weeks that we we live in a way and and because the thing is when has anyone ever had anything stolen from their house? so and and when someone comes into your house and steals from your house, it's it's you feel a bit violated because this is my space this is my safe space someone's come in and and the thing is like and, and it happens in a whole range of ways these days with with things like um, identity theft. Like people can steal your details. People can steal um, stuff online. All of a sudden, you can have people using your services. We've had our our Netflix account um, hacked not that long ago, and fortunately, as we looked at it, we went they were watching it from somewhere like Sydney. So we went, well, that's obviously not us. We're not there. But they were they were only watching kids' shows. So I went, okay, well that's. At least something, and we had to reset everything and sort of boot them out of the system. but it's it's horrible feeling when people get into your stuff and but today I'm not talking about identity theft when it comes to the idea of digital theft. Um, but I'm talking about the theft of who we are meant to be. and so the problem is we don't get up ups- as upset about that identity theft. If someone got into our bank accounts, we are really annoyed and we'll ring whoever we have to to try and get that money back and sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's difficult. Either way, we don't want to make those extra phone calls because we're going, that's my money, that shouldn't have been taken from me. But when, someone's, when, the, when ideas and, and some of the principalities of this world start to, to strip us of little things from ourselves, we don't seem to have the same outrage. Maybe we think we've just got to do what the world says. We, we, we are told very often that we can be whoever we want to be. That's a very common idea at the moment. And the thing is, it sounds good. It sounds good, that idea. You can be whoever you want to be, but at the same time, God has actually created us very clearly, very different ways, and men and women, old and young, and, and we've all got these different, even our different nationalities that sort of have these different sort of aspects and ideas that come in that sort of makes the world a beautiful place, and we, we can't be whatever we want to be. I, I watched an interview, a guy interviewing university students, would have been probably five years ago, and it'd be even more prevalent now. And and at the time through university, the idea of, of self identity was coming through very very much. Exploded since then. But he was talking to a number of university students, and he'd go up them, up to them saying, basically, you can identify as what you want. You can identify as a male. You can identify as a female. And the university students are like adamant. Yes, you can. So it's who's it's up to me how I identify. Yes. So we start asking these questions, going, so I could I I could identify as a female, and they said, yes, you can. If that's, that's what you feel that you are. You're going to, can I identify as a Chinese female? And they're going, wait a second, the, the whole principle stands on you can be whatever you want to be, and so you can see him start still saying yes, but they're getting a bit hesitant, going because that they're going that doesn't make sense that you you can be Chinese. So, all of a sudden, he's like, I'm going to be a Chinese woman. He goes, I want to identify as a six foot 10 Chinese woman. And they're going, Well, you're not six foot 10, but you said it's all about how I feel and what I want. And so, again, they're, they're nodding very reluctantly. And then he did this one I want to identify as a Chinese female who's six foot 10, but is three years old. I want to be able to go to kindergarten. And all of a sudden, they had to say yes, because if they didn't say yes, the whole argument fell apart. But you could see they didn't want to say yes, because they went, this is so dumb. This is so ridiculous. Why would anyone want to identify as something that they're not? And that goes right back to the beginning. And so that idea is something that is robbing the world. You can do what makes you feel good. And that all of a sudden, there are a lot of things in the world that will make you feel good in the moment that you will regret for a lifetime. And so we have people in this world that are living in a way that have scars upon scars, whether it's physical or emotional, that have been built into their life because they did something that made them feel good for a moment. You can do what makes you feel like you. And so all of a a sudden the world is working in a way to basically sort of Strip us of, of, of anything that sort of makes us us. you can be whatever you want. There's nothing that's clearly define, defining on you. I suppose the other thing that can be um, true as well is that the world actually does a great job of, of saying, this is what will make you special now. You are special if, I suppose is the way I want to put it. You are special if you look the right way. And so sometimes we, at high school, we we have those people that have like they've got taller quicker, so they are more popular, or, or maybe they've got too tall, so they're not they're not in the in that cool cr- crowd. Maybe you you someone that who's the right height, the right weight, the right looks, right everything, the right color hair, the right amount of hair, all those things come into it. If you look the right way, you're special. If you have the you're special if if you have the right friends and lots of them. Because we live in a world where Facebook, TikTok, everything else, you want followers. And as soon as you have enough followers, you're an influencer. And the thing is, you watch some of these influencers and it's like, it reminds me of sheep. Because sheep influence other sheep. But the problem with sheep is they're not very intelligent to begin with. If they don't have a shepherd, sheep will walk off a cliff and the other sheep will be influenced by that influencer and walk off the cliff as well. And so that old adage was if someone walked off a cliff, would you walk after them? Yeah, if they're influencing me, yes, I would. I'm going to be influenced by the world around. So it's it's having the right amount of friends and lots of them. It's you are being respected or you are popular. You are you are special if you have the right stuff. I remember at school when I was at high school, like having because I played basketball, having the the cool shoes. So you, you didn't want the stuff that was from Target or Big W. You wanted to have a pair of Nike or a pair of Converse. You didn't want to have like sort of no-name shoes because if you have a brand shoes, you actually played better. Somehow the blood of Michael Jordan got put into Air Jordans. Like I don't know what it's like. That's that's kind of the idea that got in your head, and so you would get, you would think I'm more important because I'm wearing these shoes. Um, or and it could be and then it goes into clothes or sunglasses handbags um none of which i am sort of very into but like um, but other people are it could be tvs it could be cars it could be like all the latest gadgetry in the world and you go especially if, if you have that stuff especially if you have the right job we we often ask that question when we meet people for the first time what do you do for a job Sometimes people tell us a job, and we go, I "Have no idea what it is." Like we don't even know what they're talking about. Mick was telling me about a a job that uh, is in his area of the nursing, and I'm going, "What is that?" And he sort of said, I said, "And I sort of said, it's a it's a kidney doctor or something like that." I went, "Then use those words. Like don't don't use the big ones that no one else understands." But the thing is, we we have so many different jobs, and so like sometimes you can go, "Oh well, I'm I'm a doctor." And people go, oh, that's very impressive. Um, whereas other people go, oh, you could say a whole range of other jobs, and people go, Oh, okay. Um, like and and jobs have actually changed over the years. Some jobs will look at really high value and now they're they're low, like that people go, Oh, you do that for a job, you're a bit crazy doing that job. Whereas years ago it was elevated and and so all this kind of stuff. And so and also with the job, it's like, well, how much money do you make? Because like you may only drive trucks out at the mine, but I make this much money, and so that gets added. So I'm special if if I do a job that provides me with this much stuff. I can that gives me worth. That gives me identity. You are special if you're married to the right person. Some of you here, I'm probably looking at the men. You, some of you are probably lucky because. I don't know if your wives have actually married to the right person. Like, um so I think you guys have got the guys here, I think you've batted above your sort of um your weight class. Um you've definitely you've definitely married up. Okay. I think some of the women are probably looking around going, Yes, I'm not married to the right person. Um and um I'm yeah, at times I I, I I'm not gonna go any further with that one, but anyway. Uh, I don't know if I can count on my way of that one. So, But the thing is, like, not only are you married to the right person, are you in the right family? And that can be in little ways. Has anyone ever had at school someone go, are you someone's brother or sister? So sometimes that's a good thing because they go, your, your older brother or sister was a good influence and they expect you to be the same. Sometimes, but then that backfires because they go, oh, you're not as good as your big brother or sister. Now, to put that in context, if you feel bad about that, if you're always compared to your big brother or sister, just imagine this for a second. Jesus was the firstborn in his family. You imagine all of Jesus' brothers being compared to him. Why can't you be more like Jesus? You take that in for a second. That's what he's... Well, even his parents could. why can't you be more like Jesus? And like the standards set way high there. So like, okay, you may have been compared to brothers and sisters, but maybe you're from a famous family or you're, you're, your mum or dad has a really important job. And so all of a sudden that elevates you and you are someone special because, oh, my dad is this. My dad does that. Or my mum is this person. Maybe you drive the right car. Then you've got things like, Maybe you're special if you have the right opinions. And you are often you are only special if you agree with everyone else's opinions. If you've got a different opinion, well, then you're not special. There's actually something wrong with you, something wrong with your brain if you, you think differently than that. Maybe you're special if you can do something of significance or even more than one thing. And so, like, sometimes you'll have people that will win at sports and you'll win the grand final of football and you go, I'm special because I won that medallion. Or maybe you're really good at sports in high school and, and, and you live the rest of your life going, I was a great athlete and that you're special because at once I was, I could run hundred meters really fast. You're special if everyone or at least a lot of people love you or think a lot of you and so you can live in a way that you please people around you there's a group of people in this world called politicians who love to do that they want everyone to love them and so they'll tell everyone what they want to hear and then deliver on very little of it like that's that's part of their job i suppose the thing is Maybe some of those things on those lists, you go, Do you know what? I'm doing okay in that area. I might be a little bit special. But for a lot of us, we'll look at that list and go, Do you know what? The more I think about it, I'm going to get a little bit depressed as I look at that list. I'm going to get a bit, a bit upset um, about what happens. And Because when we look at that list, it becomes our life pursuit. So some of you are in high school working out, how can I get to the point that I can achieve those things? That's what the world tells to us. Now, some of you in that age group where you go, okay, well, I've, I've started trying to accumulate those things or achieve some of those things. And then you kind of get to the other end of it going, has my life meant anything? Because half of those things that got mentioned, I was either never very good at or never ever had. If we have the idea, I will be special. I will have significance. If I can tick off a lot of those boxes, I will be someone. Because this is what is often told to us. But on the way to this, there is something else that trips us up. I want to term this phrase, but what about? So I'm special if all these things work out in my life, but at the same time, this other phrase, but what about? What about our failures when we have messed up, when relationships have broken, where successes have been short lived? And the Bible also talks a lot about our sin, the wrong that we have done that keeps us from God. See, the world tries to play down sin because when it talks about right and wrong, there's kind of like there has to be someone that says what is right and wrong. And so the world often plays with the idea of, of moving things around. All of a sudden, what was right is now wrong and what was wrong is now right and and or it's not a big deal to begin with. And so all of a sudden you start living in a way which is self-determined. It is up to me what is right and wrong. And so therefore, if I don't think it's wrong, it's not a big deal. Well, you imagine the guy at the start of the service who stole that bottle of scotch? If he went up to, if he went into the courtroom after that, that incident saying, but judge, I didn't think it was wrong, so therefore you have to let me go. Of course, the judge is going to go, of course, it's up to you what's right and wrong. We're going to let you walk out the door. No, we all have a realisation that things are right and wrong. And even the people that do wrong understand this. Now, to under, to prove this wrong, like you see this with little kids. To share is the right thing to do. and And you know that sharing is right because when someone takes something off you, they have done something wrong to me. You get upset by that. So if someone takes something of mine, I get upset. That's the wrong thing. But then if I sort of convince myself that I can take stuff from other people, if I can cheat on my taxes, if I can sort of fudge some stuff, if I can walk out of the shops with a couple of chocolate bars in my pocket, it's really not hurting anyone. But when that happens to us, it's always we know it's wrong when it happens to us. And so there can't be two sides for it. The video that played before the sermon had a couple of phrases in there, or a number of words. It said, I am lost, I am broken, filthy, bound, forgotten, alone, and dead. And the Bible talks about that, that we are, we are dead in our transgressions. We are dead because of our sin. We are disconnected from God, and so we are alone. And sometimes it feels very much that we are forgotten in life. Even the people around us at times don't seem to care what I'm going through. I feel, I feel filthy. I feel ashamed for the things that I've done wrong, the thoughts I've had, the words I've actually said. I'm broken and I'm lost. We do have to realise that this is who we were. And maybe for some of you today, this is who you are still. You're, you're struggling with of where you are at the moment. But who God created us to be and what he has done to make that happen shows implicitly how much value we have to him. So the world's idea uh, is this, you're special if you're able to get this stuff done. But then we come across the hurdle of, but what about this? We then need to realize that all all of this matters because God's opinion matters. God, God's opinion matters. We're just talking about those words. So when, with God, when we were lost, he now makes us found. He actually has come into the world to find us, to bring us back to us. When we were broken, he now makes it whole. We are clean instead of filthy. We are set free from bondage. You are not forgiven, but you are. you are not forgotten, but you are forgiven. You are not alone, but you are loved by God. And as Romans says, you were dead, but now you are alive in Christ. You see how God comes in and and changes everything radically. In in the world's idea, you have to earn your spot for identity and value. You have to work harder and the world changes the rules all the time. Years and years ago, like long beards were were the, the common practice and they wore different styles of clothes and all of a sudden that changes. And so then you've got to be clean shaven and then it comes back in, in a different way. Then you've got to wear your hair in a certain style. You've got to wear certain clothes to fit in with everyone else. And for some of us, we feel like we just catch up and they change the rules again. This is what I was meant to look like and now I've got to change my hairstyle all over again. Greg, Dave, hopefully that won't... Mate, one day we're going to catch up with you. Like You're setting the trend for us. Um, but the thing is... God's opinion matters. Our identity is not some gimmick or isolated thing that we need to achieve or accumulate or even have from the time we were born. Things that you've got that make you feel like you're it, you've made it, you've arrived, you're someone special. There was a college student who was taking a course in orthodontology or, or north, or the whatever that birds, study of birds, um, which is actually what my next line was—the study of birds—to explain what it is. But I should have just started with that one. Anyway, this class on the study of birds had a had a reputation of being one of the most difficult classes in the whole curriculum, and the professor was an extremely difficult professor. He probably loved making other people's lives difficult, so that everyone could share in his being miserable. He wanted to share the love that way. And everyone feared him, but it was a required course and every student had to take it. And as the course began, the professor announced that there would be a test in 40 days and it would compose, uh, compose a large portion of the grade. So you had to do well on that test. Everyone studied. They took copious amounts of notes. They made sure they understood everything the professor said. And on the 40th day, the students filled into the lecture hall with sweaty palms, extremely nervous. On the stage was a table with five cages on it, and each cage had a cover, and beneath the cover, they could see the feet and spindly legs of a bird. At the sound of the bell, the professor addressed the students. Here's the test. You can see five birds. They're all covered except for their feet and legs. You must tell me the identity of each of those five birds by looking only at their feet and legs. Everyone had studied long and hard, and no one had anticipated such a test. They were all sweating, trying to remember something or anything that helped them pass the test. Finally, one student stood up and said, this is ridiculous. This is the craziest test I've ever seen, and you are the worst professor in this whole school. He said, I quit. I'm out of here. I'm not going to take this test. And he turned to walk toward the door. Professor, a bit indignant, said, just wait a minute, young man. Who are you? I demand your name right now. The young man stopped, took a long look at the professor and then pulled up both of his pants legs and said, you tell me who I am. The thing is, we fall for little things like that. We fall for little gimmicks in the world that that will somehow define who I am. Psalm one hundred thirty nine, um, uh, fourteen. Uh, which Shannon read it earlier, it said, "I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well." Da- David, the guy that killed Goliath, wrote that 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 psalm, and and he's he's realizing. How special we are as human beings. He looks around us and he looks at us all around his own life and people. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, when you, when you put me together, you did an amazing job. And that's, that's not just physically. That's who we are, how we feel, how we, how we sort of relate in the world, what kind of friend we are. God looks at you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and looks at you with love and knows how valuable you are. There is no doubt in his mind. In the video, Dennis referenced um, the idea that God looks at the heart. It comes from the story of, of David when he was first called to be king. Um, story goes that Samuel rocked up and was looking for the next king, looking for the, the next one who was going to be super special in the nation of Israel the one that God is going to lead them and and, and people are going to look up to. And so Samuel was probably looking for something specific. And when Jesse called his sons together, he called his oldest son first. And, and Samuel looked at him and went, yep, he is the one. Muscles on muscles, tall, like got all the movie star good looks. He's He's the one. And God looked at him very quickly and said, no, he's not. I'm wondering if at that point in time Samuel said to God, you should have gone to Specsavers." Like going, wait a second, God, are you seeing what I'm seeing here? And then in verse 7 of chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, and the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when we're looking for things like identity and we are looking for value, we need to realize that the world wants to steal that from you. The world wants to dictate who is special and is not special. And you've got to live up to their standards. But this is the thing. The world will constantly change the rules. The world will constantly say, no, you've got to do something else now. And you will spend your life pursuing the value that the world, the little value the world will offer. But in the end, when it comes to our value and identity is what God thinks and what he has done so that we can know his love and to be who he wants us to be. So in the end, only God's opinion matters. And I'm not sure where you are today. Maybe you are struggling to find value. Maybe you're struggling to know who you are truly meant to be maybe you 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 really identified yourself in that way but you've lost your way a bit maybe you've never been able to sort of know that god loves you and god values you and god has this great idea and plan for your life maybe today is a, is a day for you to correct that and to stop chasing the things of the world and say god I want you to look at my heart. I want you to be my God. I want you to know that value that comes not by the way that I look or the things that I have, but because of who I am to you. Lord, I I thank you that you are a God who values each one of us, who loves us and cares for us. And ultimately, you are the one who gives us value. We thank you that you are our creator and our redeemer. And we pray this in your name. Amen.